You didn't spend 20,000, you spent 1.9 million because if you put that money where it was supposed to go, that's an opportunity mm -hmm. cost. Now, yo, 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 hello, hello, what's up, co workers? What's up, co workers? Welcome back to another week of the We Outside After Work podcast. You like how I did that? No, I've been in the, in the DJ booth, you know, I've been practicing. I'm your host, Dana, and I'm your boy, DJ. Hey, Boogie, in the mix. Okay. No, you ain't like that? I'm going to work on it. Well, Marv is the one behind the, <laughs> the scenes with the DJ stuff. But we are joined by two guests today. We have a returning guest, Justin. So yes. thank you for joining us, Justin. Anytime, anytime. And we also have his cousin, Jarrell, mm -hmm. coming and, through. And Jarrell, he's a, a CPA. He's a former pro basketball player. He does he's real a, estate. He's an all-around jack of all trades, master of plenty. So, you know, we appreciate y'all for coming man. through. Yes. You forgot health psycho. Health psycho. What does you know, that mean? I think Justin got me on that now. <laughs> health psycho is somebody that you don't go out to hang out to eat with because if you <laughs> eat something that he does not uh, consider advantageous for your body, he will let you mm. know about it. Right then and there, no chill. So I can't eat my Twizzlers? I love Twizzlers. Don't eat chicken fingers. Okay. <laughs> He'll, he will massacre you in front of everybody. Is it because it's chicken fingers? Like, because you know you're supposed to, like, progress as you get older and not eat chicken fingers? Or is it because... We were in our 20s. And okay. Bruh. Man, I'm chicken fingers and fries So wait, do out. you do, like, uh, carb counting, too? Or so, no? Nah, because, like, being so busy, I like to give people things that they can, like, take and run with. Mm -hmm. Like, So I would tell you, listen... Don't eat animals that walk on four legs. So, like, that would get rid of beef. That's everything. And, and Chickens no. don't run on four oh, legs. Oh, chicken. There you go. Chicken, turkey, and fish. So, okay. like, those are things that, like... Because chicken, the fish don't run. Exactly. They swim. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's get started with our icebreaker. Um, guys, if you're new, these are two cards that we read to break the ice and start the conversation. So, I'm going to read my card first, and then we'll start with Jarrell... Justin, Aaron, and then me. Okay. All right. So it says, you should be able to see the salary of every other employee at your company. Do you agree or disagree? All right. <clears throat> I don't really, I don't really think that's a good idea because mm. like every job I've ever had, like my work ethic, I prided myself on it and I just hate it being in the same department with people and feeling like I'm outworking them, but we're getting paid the same. Right. But imagine if I saw that I was outworking them and they got paid more than me, I think that would rub me the wrong way. So, like, I wouldn't really want to know what anybody got. I just would rather just mind my business in that regard. I would want to know. Oh, yeah. wait, Justin, you go <laughs> next. Sorry. For that reason, I would want to know because if a person is not working or I deem them not as intelligent as I am, yet their pay grade is higher than mine, I'm not going to revere them the same way depending on their title. Mm -hmm. For me, I also need to see it, and I have a reason for it. When I was working um, a job a couple jobs ago, don't need to put nobody business out there, I was making $60,000. I made some bonuses, you know, got up to like sixty five. My peer sitting right next to me doing the same thing I'm doing was making $96,000. Oh! Now, I don't know about y'all. There's one thing if I make $500 more, maybe a dollar an hour more. But thirty six thousand dollars—that's that's, that's yeah. some bullshit, right? That's crazy. Especially when we're doing the same thing. I see this dude not doing what I'm doing, busting my ass every single day, trying to be the best representation of this company I could be. Meanwhile, he over here banking, chilling, and I'm over here kicking my ass, trying to be the best I could be. Nah, I need to see that. I so, agree. So I this really way, don't you don't like you don't undervalue me because I don't know no better. You don't post, oh, this is what your maximum could be. Most companies they do that on some bullshit. Like my last job that I just left from, they put their max on Glassdoor. So when they interviewed me, I said, all right, give me a max. They it wasn't no questions asked. You trying to tell me we not going to negotiate? That means that you could have given me more. Yes, so you give have, me more. You Let have me see to it. negotiate. Don't just give what they offer you in all. an offer. For me to answer the question, I would say yes, because two jobs ago, too, I had a co-worker who we all knew he didn't do shit. So it was a fully remote job. 
And him and my manager were real close. Like when we were in the office, they would have smoke breaks and they were like actually friends in real life. So come to find out that she would allocate his work to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point where I would complain in the group chat. I'm like, hey, well, I didn't complain to the group chat. It was mainly to her directly. But she was actually like, oh, the company's watching him and he ultimately got fired. So, you know, like for him, you know, that sucked. But for me, like, I want to know if we're making the same, we're doing the same amount of work. Yeah, forget all that. I need this money. Yeah. I need to see it. Yes. But we on, we on shift the mood a little bit. Now, I don't know if this is accurate or not. I Googled it. That's why I was screenshotting earlier. It says that November is Mental Health Awareness Month for men. But it also says June, so I don't really know. We're gonna look into that. Made up holidays (laughs) for those dealing with mental health and trauma. Mm -hmm. Do you think trauma makes you funnier? We're gonna start with Justin, then we're gonna work our way around. Doesn't most comedians aren't the foundation of their comedy come from come from trauma? I agree. If you look at Kevin Hart, it's because he's small. If you look at uh, Monique, because she fat, because she fat, or if you (laughs) any major comedian. Their foundation of their comedy comes from trauma. What was one of Kevin Hart's? Uh, I don't listen to Kevin Laugh Hart. Laugh at my pain. Laugh at my pain. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's not my comedian. <laughs> I'm good on. Bruh. I like I like him as a as a artist, but I don't like him as a comedian. He just don't do it for me. An artist? <laughs> yeah, like you know, a businessman, a mogul, a talent. I uh, think he does okay. a great job in movies, but as a comedian, I'm good. Got it. Well, to Justin's point, I think that's that's real accurate. I don't know personally for me if like trauma would would have made me more funny. I just think it it depends on the individual because we all don't don't like to laugh at our pain. Some people mm-hmm. don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Some people will just bury it and disguise it in something else, a bad habit, or working out a lot, mm-hmm. or trying to be an overachiever, or self loathing. Like so, a lot of people handle it differently. So I wouldn't say it necessarily makes people funnier. It just depends. If you were already funny, mm-hmm. then I think it could take you to the next level. But some people just don't like to laugh about it. If I could piggyback off of that, what I do see for people who use it as a coping mechanism to shift away the trauma, that can also make them funnier, right? So while we're talking about Kevin Hart and Monique might use the things that is traumatic for them to be funny, others might just, I want to, like a class clown, per se, right? Like, I'm going to make the joke something else so nobody focuses on my trauma. That makes sense. Right? So I, I do think in a myriad of ways it can make things still funny. It doesn't have to be a direct uh, correlation to it, but there is some causation there. So mm-hmm. what about you, Dana? I would say for me, if we're talking about comedians, yes, their trauma does make them funnier. I was just listening to Leslie Jones on The Breakfast Club, and she was talking about... Um, I think she wrote a book. It's called Leslie fucking Jones. Yeah. And she was was saying that in the community, community, the comedy world, that the first 10 years, you're just talking about like sex and like basic stuff being a comedian. And then after 10 years, like, all right, you have a story, like you have experience. Now you can talk about yourself and people getting to know you as a person. So, yes, in that sense. But... Um, yeah, I mean, trauma, it does affect people differently. Like some people, it does make them more hard and mm-hmm. more like they don't trust people. So it just depends on the person for me. Okay. So, yeah. Well, speaking of the person, what we're going to do is we're going to jump into Jarrell a little bit. We want to talk about you as a professional, um, especially when it comes to some of the things that I, I just looked at your Instagram. And you, you talked a lot about bookkeeping. Okay. And uh, the importance of bookkeeping from a small business perspective. I, I do want everybody to make sure y'all jump on to just um, Jarrell's Instagram page. He got a lot of small business tips and tricks to really help yes, you out. Yes, he makes a lot of reels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we want to hear it straight from straight from the source. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, the bookkeeping is like it's it's everything. It's it's the the language of your business, right? So everybody has numbers. So the accounting department is essential in every single business that you see running. And when we're talking about the accounting department in general, like you guys are the CEO, you run the company, but you need to know if the things that you're thinking about are actually working or if you need to make adjustments, mm-hmm. right? So what the numbers are actually doing, the bookkeeping is the, the task of me organizing your transactions into financial statements. So there are three financial statements. The one you're probably going to be most concerned with is the profit and loss. Mm-hmm. That's the income that's yes. coming in. 
in and the expenses that are going out. So we want to make sure we have that in a way that's legible for you guys to understand. And when you look at them, you could actually see what your results are, know what to key in on, and make your managerial decisions from there. Now, outside of that, what a lot of people come to me for is strategy. So you want to know if you should stay a disregarded entity, if you should be an S-Corp, if you should be a C-Corp, any of those other businesses or those other structures, they come with tax breaks. But mm -hmm. I can't even advise if your numbers aren't done because your numbers tell me when it's time to transition your business from one structure into another structure or if you're missing out on write-offs, if you're not keeping the right receipts or there are a lot of things that a lot of people don't know that they can write off. Mm -hmm. So when I'm looking at your numbers, it just tells the full story of your business. And if you don't have the numbers or the bookkeeping done, you don't really understand how your business is performing. So how could you do better? Yeah, how QuickBooks you... don't tell us none of that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I like using QuickBooks for <laughs> my clients, but you know, if you don't know how to keep books or mm -hmm. keep your records, then it really means nothing to you. So if I was starting my own business and I wanted to be my own bookkeeper, would you suggest that? Not from a, I would love to be your CPA, but uh -huh. from just as an individual starting his own business, why would you tell him not to do that? Um, because he probably doesn't understand the tax code, right? So when you're doing your own books, you may be writing off things you've seen on posts that don't really apply to you. Mm -hmm. Or like, for instance, this, there's the, the car thing where everybody wants to write off the car. Mm -hmm. You want to first get that through the LLC, but then there's this piece that I like to focus on because I'm a CPA, but I'm also an IRS enrolled agent. So like that's like more of a specialization in tax and is recognized you know, by the IRS. We have a direct line of contact mm -hmm. with them. We go talk to Congress every year and all of that. So we take a different stance. So when you try to write something off like that, I'm going to first see if it's reasonable and necessary. Like if you're trying to, like you see a lot of people talking about the G-Wagons because it's over 5,000 pounds. They're so nice though. They, they're beautiful. Yeah, you, they're fun. That's a farm car in Europe, but we like treat it like it's a luxury vehicle. Right. It's so funny, but because yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, the Sprinters. Yeah, like we treat it like that's the most luxurious van in the world. It's a van. Exactly, exactly. But if you work from home and like, let's say you got a home-based business where you just on a computer all day, and you want me to sell to the IRS that a hundred thousand dollar car was reasonable and necessary for your business yeah that's a kind of a hard sell so like i try to advise people away from that so with that being said i wouldn't want someone trying their hand at the bookkeeping because your numbers are going to end up in your mm -hmm. tax return and that's where you're going to get in trouble and if you're just going to have a cpa look at your numbers at the end of the year or your tax guy look at your numbers and tell you if they're right or wrong you might as well have that guy from the beginning because you also are going to need to know what you should be putting aside for taxes i see mm -hmm. a lot of small business owners get blitzed at the end of the year because they weren't putting an appropriate amount aside for taxes because you just came from working at a job where payroll was handed for you. Your taxes were sent to the IRS in the state that you live in for you. Mm -hmm. And then you go to be an entrepreneur. Nobody's doing that anymore. Right. So now, and you're in the most, I want to say, the most punitive structure out there because you not only pay federal, state, and if you're in New York or somewhere metropolitan, local taxes, you pay something called FICA taxes, Social mm -hmm. Security and Medicare. That's another 15.3%. So nobody's really ready for that because you're just trying to survive in year one. You don't know what's a write-off. You don't know what's not a write-off. And then you come see me at year end and I do everything the correct way. And I'm like, okay, you owe $15,000. You like well how I spent it all I, I don't it yeah. felt like nothing like I was spending because they didn't put it away from like the profits that they were making right they exactly. didn't separate like all right this was profit but let me take some out for taxes mm -hmm. when exactly. I gotta pay my taxes so, exactly yeah. and the crazy thing is I never understood like how accountants work all year round but this is the reason why oh, so yeah. this way you're you're there to just hey I'm a dot in your eyes and crossing your T's and you kind also, of situation you don't just pay taxes as a business one time out of the year right like you pay what is it four times so yeah so you can you could it, it's easier for you to make quarterly tax quarterly, payments yes. because your last your last tax payment is actually due on January 15th and then you go and file your return and that's due by April 15th mm -hmm. or 18th, whatever day the last day falls on for that year. Mm -hmm. So you want to be, but to know what you should pay, you need somebody to calculate your net income for a quarter mm -hmm. or the last year, annualize you and tell you what you're estimated to pay this year so that you can get a schedule together and pay your taxes on time. So at the end of the year, you've been paying these leveled off payments. Mm -hmm. So it's not really that the taxes are due every three months. It's better for you to do it that way because mm -hmm. they're due by January 15th. And if you do it that way, it just eases it. It just eases you into it so you're not bombarded with this huge tax bill at the end of the year. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. What would you say is the wildest thing that somebody has had legally written off? Um, I can't.
can't really I can't really say that uh people write wild things off because they're always reasonable mm-hmm. and necessary, but um I think that there's been a lot more of of people taking advantage of okay, like the Inflation Reduction Act, right? There's gonna be a lot of clean energy stuff in there. So if you guys are looking for new cars or something like that, I definitely think you should take a look at the hybrids or the mm-hmm. electric cars because they have hefty t- tax write-offs that actually come with those things. And then on top of that, like a lot of people are working from home now. You get home mm-hmm. office deductions where you can write off a portion of your property taxes, interest on your mortgage, your utilities. Say you use a uh, portion in your backyard, you got a dog kennel or something, or what, whatever that represents in, to, in in relation to your entire property, you mm-hmm. could actually write off the utilities, the property tax, interest, all that stuff. Marvin, so, you're listening to this, right? <laughs> so it's not necessarily like... Um, the, the most interesting or the weirdest thing that people write off mm-hmm. is just, you know, what I'm seeing, like, that hasn't been done as much before, but there's, like, more of a boom of it now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a question, because before we started, Justin did say that you do help him with a lot of his taxes and things along those lines. So how is it working with a family member? Oh, he he like, want that money on time. Okay. <laughs> that man does not like, play. Like, is it stressful? Like, no. He's a psycho. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> he, treats me, he treats me as if okay. I'm just a regular black man on the block. Well, when it comes to business, right? He, and, he and, was my first client, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, he came to me before I even, like, set up my business. All right, like, so, when I was so dead ass, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was my first client. And my mom was probably second. <laughs> yeah. You had to, like, fake it till you make it type of thing. So yeah. he didn't know I had the practice yet, but he believed in me, you know. But every year, he's, like, the first person to, like, send me his stuff. And I usually get him done in January. Mm-hmm. So he's, and like, you one need of my that. best clients. Yeah, you need, mm-hmm. like, someone close to believe in your, oh, like, yeah. what you're trying to do in order to bring it to fruition. You know what the bad thing about that is? What? You spent your money on this shit. <laughs> what you doing with this? Yo, this is what you buying? Yo, what all that? Oh, that's come. even better, right? So it helps you with, like, budgeting and not paying for When I shit. say psycho... He, what you eat, what you spend your money on. If he sees you in the pictures, oh, you got another pair of shoes, right? <laughs> Heard you. Oh, you going here and here. Yeah, because you go out a lot on Instagram. So he's probably like, oh, you got a section, you got a bottle. Okay. Heard you. What, yeah, you, what you doing? You going? <laughs> Heard you. Yeah. And the thing is, it's the parent or the accountability partner going, mm-hmm. Heard you, got yeah. it. So then, when January come around, he was like, "Oh, cause that red bottom, that red bottom, red bottoms you bought, that you paid him up front." Uh-huh. Guess what, my man? Same thing. Exactly. Uh, okay, but I, I see what you did there. I don't, I don't mind it because I feel like you said we need an accountability partner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. someone, to, and he does not let off the gas, and I don't want him to. That's how he is. In anything you do. I was going to say, are you like that with all your um, clients or just with Justin? Um, you got to know what people can take. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I've definitely been a little bit too stoic with, with certain people. And I realized, like, everybody is not bred like that. Everybody mm-hmm. can't handle that. Some people appreciate, like, me being direct and me being honest. And then, like, I've learned over time, like, like some people, like, I kind of got to finesse and have a sweeter conversation mm-hmm. and give some people a little bit more grace yeah, and more time. Yeah, because you don't want to lose that client because yeah. they're like, oh, he's doing too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't do what I do with him with yeah. pretty much Because, you know, you, obviously that's, like, family. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It, it is family. <laughs> I saw it coming. Also, the thing is, it's not even just a family bit. Some people just can't take it. I don't think my sister could take it, like, the way he is with me or... Even some friends of ours, because you'll, you're attacking their ego. And especially for most men, ego's their baby. Yet you have to understand where Jarrell's coming from because Jarrell can foresee things that you can't because he's in the finance field. Mm-hmm. He understands spending habits. Yeah. And then he's been doing this now exactly 10 years. So he knows for me, my rhythm. He knows what I like, what I'm not, what I what I don't like. He knows what I'm going to spend on. But at the same time, he understands where I was professionally ten years ago is nowhere to where I'm at right now, and where I jumped almost doubling, close to God willing, tripling where I started with him ten years ago. Mm-hmm. So. Even with that, he talked about him being my CPA. He actually got mad at me one day when he when he when, uh, he talked about this. I talked about him doing my taxes, but he's also my real estate agent. Mm-hmm. He's no he actually knows where I want to buy my house. So what goes into my spending habits? Yo, don't you want a house in Somerset County? 
aren't you the one looking for this house with that type of garage with this and that and the third? That's going to cost this amount of money. So you going to put that away. And then mm -hmm. this and the third that's going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. That's his other role. That's what also goes into him being my accountant is the fact that he's holding you accountable. He's but also he, <laughs> he, he reminds you about your goals. your goals, right? He's like, oh, you want this house? Well, you have to do this in order to get there. Right. So for me, but, what I talk about um, on the last episode, it didn't come out yet, but by the time this comes out, <laughs> it'll be out. But I talk about just connecting to your higher self. And like what your higher self is doing, you have to do that now in order to build those habits. So imagine you have somebody that's looking at you more than just your finance. He's looking at you health-wise. One of the things I've added to my diet this year, or well actually two, green juice and beet juice. Mm -hmm. He was the first one, yo, y'all got to get on green juice and beet juice, whether you're making it or getting it from Whole Foods. I kid you not. I tell people. Drink beet, get beet juice into I your diet. I tried beet juice. So you don't drink it direct. <laughs> you you get organic lemonade. Uh huh. You mix that that together. Oh, with the lemonade. Okay, I gotta try that. I juice grapes with mine for like a natural sweetener. Okay. Because like I can't drink regular beet juice. Yeah. No, like no one, no one can drink regular beet juice. Crazy. But if you add lemonade, mm -hmm. I promise you, it helps you, with the taste. It, so well, do the do the drill. If y'all listen I've, to I've, Regina, I've, I've dropped body fat because because of, of his um health health habits. If y'all listen to our girl Regina from last week, she asked yeah. us personally, "Have y'all ever bought a shot of liquor?" Yes, no. A shot, a shot, a shot of liquor. Like yeah. had from a shot. The bar, or yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you drank it, right? It was disgusting, wasn't it? The you first, the first one, yeah. Right? Gross. You can take that beet juice, just hey. like you took that shot of liquor. Like yeah. it's all good. But I want to get into inflation. I know you're talking about uh, a little okay. bit of inflation when you're talking about looking into businesses and how shifts in the climate of finances. What would you suggest for people to you know deal with the inflation, especially as yeah we're making more money, but their spending habits. But maybe? yeah, their spending habits and everything uh, is increasing also. Yeah. So it is a really loaded question, but it's a great question. So over the past years, we saw a lot of money floating around in the economy from stimuluses, EIDLs, PPP loans, you name it. Like the government was trying their best to help us out of COVID, and what happened was, you know, between, I mean, we got we got a lot of funding. With business owners, literally, if you like had your business running before that happened, like they were literally giving you like 50% mm -hmm. of your top line. Yep. Like it was ridiculous. The PPP loans were generous as, as well as long as you had employees or whatnot. Then they were giving people stimulus checks off their tax return, taxable income. So like they were putting out a lot of funds. And you know, I've saw clients, you know, rightfully get what was owed to them. Mm -hmm. So I saw a lot of people get those, get that funding. But what happens with that is people go out and they're just spending a little bit more. Cause like even with unemployment, like they were giving unemployment to entrepreneurs for the mm -hmm. first time. So like everybody was literally getting a ton of help. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, everybody was running out, spending a bunch of money. And when you have a, uh, more demand than you have supply that's causing prices to rise so what the government is now trying to do is calm all that down so they're not giving out money anymore clearly and when they're raising the interest rates or whatnot they're trying to get the prices to stay the same and mm -hmm. come back some mm -hmm. so that these prices don't keep rising and we're consumers trying to buy these heightened prices because mm -hmm. that's what we want to avoid so what's happening with inflation is these big corporations they borrow money to pay us these real estate companies, they borrow money to buy more homes. Like these companies need to borrow to continue to expand. And when a government is actually, or the Fed is actually raising interest rates, that trickles down to the banks that we use mm -hmm. and they raise their interest rates. Mm -hmm. So now you're seeing mortgages get really high. And what we're not seeing is corporations aren't, aren't basically borrowing as much anymore. So what's gonna happen is their sales are gonna start to decline or stay stagnant and then the inputs of the business, meaning the services mm -hmm. and the products they buy to grow their business, they're getting more expensive. Mm -hmm. So what's going to happen to the labor forces and what the Fed is expecting is they're going to be layoffs, they're going to be job cuts, and they, wanna, layoffs, yeah. Yeah, and they want to force a recession. So to basically get ready for this and you know tackle inflation, uh, people going to have to do things that they don't want to do. Like, for instance, if we take the average person's budget, a lot of people think their budget is looking at what they spend on everything and not spending more than mm -hmm. that. That's not a budget. You could already be overspending by doing that. So let's take somebody who makes a hundred grand a year. That's going to come out to about three thousand dollars every two weeks, six thousand dollars for the month. Your car should be ten percent of that, all of it. That means that's the gas, the repairs, and the maintenance, the payment, and the insurance. 
So oh, shit, after making <laughs> exactly, <laughs> most Americans spend mo- more money than they can afford on the car in the house, and they don't want to budge when you tell them that. Like I mean, I run across a lot of people. Like six hundred dollars is what you could afford if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year on your car. That's a lot of people's note. That's not including insurance. Oh, gas. no, they bugging. Wait, yeah, you're saying $600 for the car note? No, no, not everything. Insurance, oh. car, your gas. Your, car, your vehicle mm-hmm. overhead? Actually, I'm, about, I'm around there. Yeah, yeah. Your vehicle so, overhead. So, ten, okay. so 10% of your take home, whatever is hitting your bank account, not what they signed on mm-hmm. the employment letter, because we know taxes and benefits come out of that. 10% of what's hitting your bank account mm-hmm. is what you should be spending on your car. So if you're seeing $6,000 every, every month, $600 should include the car payment, the insurance, the repairs and maintenance, and the gas. I'm in there. Okay. So if you're good with yeah. that, then you're within your budget. But a lot of people aren't going to be within that. And right. then when I tell them, look, if it's above that, you have to go back to public transportation. And people don't like that. Like, they don't want to hear that. That's because we live in a consumer society. In yeah. society. I also think it depends on where, though. Like, in New York City or in, uh, like, a, a good city area. Like, if I worked in Newark or if I worked in... Probably like Livingston or something like that. But I don't where mind you live though, because you gotta drive like an hour yeah. to your job, mm-hmm. so you can't necessarily take a. I probably bus could take a. There. Maybe mm-hmm. not to where I work, but I'm pretty sure it's a. It'll bus probably from increase AC to your Philly. commute time though. Well, what about mm-hmm. a vehicle within the budget? So and a, you know, a lot of people don't want the hoopties. So <laughs> Jarrell, you know this. How long did I drive that 2000 and? Four, five, two, uh, too long. Two, two hundred, <laughs> two hundred and seventy-five thousand miles. God damn. Yeah, I mean, I was taking the train to work. You, you didn't know. have a payment on that at one point. Yeah, nope. you didn't have a payment for yeah. a long time. When there's not a payment, and, it just makes and, it easier. And I didn't get my SUV until I started clearing a hundred grand a year. Mm-hmm. That's when I got my SUV, and I didn't tell him until after I bought it because I, I I got it. And I was like, all right, let's see what happens. It was the end of 2020. And he goes, all right, you can afford it. All right, cool. And, I, and it was one of those, I was, I, 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 that's why I didn't post it. I didn't do nothing. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to show up with it one day. Yeah. And, these, and this, at the time, I was still driving two vehicles because yeah. I was keeping my car to go to the gym and stuff like that. I just sold it this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, 300,000 miles on it, too. Man, listen. <laughs> oh, did oh, they Ruby. buy it, or are you like seven hundred dollars? So, how okay, often do you experience people who overspend, and then how often do you have that conversation with them? Oh, all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Um, the problem is a lot of people don't want to do what's necessary, and mm-hmm. I always tell people, you live a few years like most people won't to live the rest of your life like most people can't and yeah. most people don't want to make that sacrifice, sacrifice. And it's like, I'm not asking mm-hmm. you to do it for the rest of your life but right now what's about to happen is mm-hmm. if a market corrects itself or I don't want to use the word collapse because that's a little dramatic or not but when the market corrects itself that's opportunities for the next batch of millionaires to emerge mm-hmm. and if you I were saving just like with yeah. COVID just yeah. like with COVID a, a bunch of millionaires emerged out of that because it was it was economic opportunity exactly and if you're sacrificing, you got your buckets, your buckets correct in your budget. Now mm-hmm. you're putting aside the cash. Mm-hmm. You got powder dry on the sideline. So when the market corrects itself, you can go buy those, the you know, those assets that are discounted right now. Mm-hmm. But if you were overspending on where you live, like, you know, what you drive, those things eat away at your budget. And if I show you the compound interest on that for 30 years, you'll be sick to mm-hmm. your stomach. You know what I mean? Basically, basically showing you what you missed out on. Just mm-hmm. like you could have invested in some cookie cutter, like an S and P five hundred fund for the next. You talking her on that? Cause I don't know what you talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm into <laughs> stocks and options trading. So, so yeah. so yeah, I was explaining to my daughter the other day, like you know, she's been working for about a year and a half. She graduated from high school um, last year, so like she's been out of school for about a year and a half. And I go through her numbers. I was like, hey, hey you made well over twenty grand, and then, oh well, close to thirty grand this last year and a half. Mm-hmm. You haven't saved anything. Like you just keep spending everything, and then yeah. when I when I said, you know what, I'm gonna do this for you. I do this for my clients. I showed her that if you would have just saved twenty thousand of that and never invested anything else into it, it would be. And then I did the numbers. It was around one point nine million in retirement just by investing in some cookie cutter, right? Just and just letting it season over the next thirty years. Mm-hmm. And it's like you didn't spend twenty thousand. You spent one point nine million because if you put that money where it was supposed to go, that's an opportunity mm-hmm. cost. Now you get that compound interest and your life isn't the same. So what decision did you make over this last year and a half that was worth one point nine million dollars? 
she's just sitting there like none of them. Have you yeah. considered doing like a seminar for for high school kids? I would love that to be because honest. I feel like all of us, none of us had that conversation. Nobody ever sat us down and told us what a compound interest is. Even if they did tell us, they never really told but us. But even so, when you're young like that too, because I have a little cousin, mm -hmm. she's about to be 18 on Sunday. And she's gotten money from like a summer class that she's done and like from different family members to prepare for college. But at that age, like, I don't know, maybe you have to start younger, but she mm. doesn't have that mentality of like, all right, let me save something. It's always like spend, spend, spend. Because we don't, at that age, don't foresee. I feel like it's kind of like the culture where yeah. you come from. Because yeah. she's, Absolutely. she is, she lives in the Bronx, like she lives in a city and like her environment is not that. Like, it's not like, oh, let me save. It's more so survival Well, mode. that's where the whole experience and exposure bit comes in. If I'd have known what I know now, I would have majored in marketing in college, knowing that was my natural skill set. As but, a marketing major, I disagree. <laughs> I got a marketing but, degree too. But <laughs> see, the thing is, was it, is that your natural skill set? My actual first uh, major was accounting, and I probably should have stuck with it. But I thought, with all due respect, I thought accounting was boring and shit. Right? I'm in the classes, I'm passing, I'm getting 100 on I every single accounting. test. Yeah, and, and as good as I was at it. I couldn't see myself doing it because I never sat and talked to nobody like him. Yeah, because no, no one that looks like us explained it in a way mm -hmm. that it looks interesting. It looks digestible. Yeah. So with me, exposure. I was told in my 20s, oh, you're good at marketing. Oh, you're good at marketing. You, have a, you know how to naturally, strategically communicate the trigger behavior. And mm -hmm. you're creative. That's marketing. I found that out as I got into my 30s. Now, had I known that or had been exposed to those trips that people take, those bring your kid to work day. Mm -hmm. I would have I would have been immersed in it early, but we're not around that. And this yeah. is we talked about talking to children. I have seven mentees. I talk to them about everything and making sure that they understand how to monetize their natural skill set because once you learn how to monetize that skill set that's naturally mm -hmm. to you, you'll never work a day in your life. And you will make more than you would ever imagine. But we as people of color, we don't get exposed to those opportunities right. until it's kind of late. And then there are bigger bills mm -hmm. against us. There are bigger mountains for us to climb. And that's not how some other people who are in our age range don't uh, attack yeah, life. But I do, before you ask your <laughs> question, because I see it's coming, but I want to bring the... <laughs> I want to bring the conversation back to Jarrell. So um, you mentioned buying a home, right? Like that's something you want to do. So I have friends who they're sick of renting. Like they want to buy a home. So they're like, I want to start saving or have enough to buy now. Should I buy now or should they wait until maybe next year or two years from now? Like what do you tell your clients that are trying to look for a house to buy in this market? So... If someone's ready and they find the opportunity to buy a home, I would always suggest that over renting, but you got to be careful in this market. It's, mm -hmm. it's, there are a lot of homes right now that are going to be sold that are going to need work. People aren't really going to have the funds to, to actually repair things before closing, which I saw a lot over mm -hmm. these last couple of years being, being a realtor. Um, prices are a little, I think they're a little pricey in, in regards to the interest rate still. Yes. So I would say like, you know, just keep an eye on the market. And when you start seeing more houses come onto the market, that means the market is starting to turn and it's going to become more of a buyer's market. We still aren't really there yet mm -hmm. because we don't have the inventory. The inventory isn't showing that we're turning the corner on that. Meaning like when the seller is still selling the house, there's still a lot of bites at it because we have a housing problem in the United States right now. We don't have a lot, enough homes for people, especially in these metropolitan areas areas like when something goes on the market a lot of people are going after it a lot of people are bidding on it and you pair that with the interest rates right now I'm, I'm not sure it's the like the best time to buy but if you can find it here's how I would like navigate this situation I would get in the house now with the high interest rate because when the interest rates go higher people got to chill on the pricing you can't have high interest rates and high prices right so when those prices start to come down and the payment is in their monthly range where they can actually strike 
it would be a good time to get a good house if you can find one that's got the repairs done it's in a good area it appreciates well mm -hmm. you can handle the payments real easy it fits within 30 percent of your budget snipe it because in a few years when interest rates come back down you could always refinance, refinance. and get that yes. payment lower with that mm -hmm. low price that you got but the challenge has been people finding homes that are in the condition that they want to like the turnkey homes that they actually want they're going to have to like buy a home then they're going to have to go put work into it and go into home depot right now mm -hmm. inflation is in home depot mm -hmm. too inflation yeah. is the contractors they're charging more now too and then when you have someone coming in and do that type of work you don't even know if the contractor is going to finish the job. A lot of contractors are doing shady work these days or they're not finishing the jobs. I'm hearing a lot of horror stories out there. Mm -hmm. So it's a really risky time. But like I said, I always keep my licenses going. I've always got my eye on the market because mm -hmm. real estate is going to be responsible, is responsible for more than 65% of the millionaires out of there. So it's always going to be a, a place where someone can can escape poverty or give their family a chance to achieve generational uh, generational wealth. So always mm -hmm. keep your eye on the market. But right now, you want to go into this with the right team. Accounting, realtor, like your friends who have been through the process, like people you trust and know what they're doing because like it's just a really tough time yeah. to go get a like, good Don't deal. just go in it with like, all right, I'm just going to do whatever. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. No, like you need to be prepared. Yeah. You you talked a little bit about metropolitan areas. Uh -huh. um, a lot of people trying to get into those places where the jobs and stuff are, right? I look at places like Saudi Arabia and Dubai, Yemen, all those places over there where, with all due respect, humans probably shouldn't even be living there. But with the advancements in technology, we are clearly able to build on top of that. So why aren't we doing more to get into Wyoming and Montana and different don't places? Like, live in a don't nobody want to live there because nobody lives there, but it's yeah. nothing there. I and know. we can build on that. There's land. So now, I'm actually looking at that now. It, like those mm -hmm. those very states, like mm -hmm. to look at, they got these really big parcels of land, mm -hmm. like 20 acres, 15,000. Yeah, you got a house there. It's cheap. Yeah. You get I, I, the reason yeah. that they said they didn't want to build on that prior was because it wasn't access to water right it wasn't agrable i don't know what the word is agrable land like uh -huh. to like plant and do all that kind of stuff but if we're going to do technology or if we're going to do ag not agriculture we're going to do technology or we're going to do infrastructure warehouses factories why do we need to plant out there so that would be a perfect place for us to restructure the market and not focus everybody into New York City or New Jersey. You, there's no more room in Jersey. Yeah. Like, it's nowhere else to go. We we can't even go in the water in New Jersey at this point in time. So, like, and you said you were looking into that, if you don't you're, mind. You're, you're really speaking my language because um, I'm just looking at what's available to us out there, and there is a lot of land, and I just mentioned that we have a housing problem in the States, mm -hmm. so we do need to start building out. But I think people... It's just not a conversation that we've had in our community like a lot of other things and people are unsure about how to tackle this and how to get electric pushed out into the suburbs or mm -hmm. you know rural land or how to get water but there there are some places where you can go by like wyoming does have places where you can go by and they have a water hookup and electric hookup mm -hmm. but that land is a little bit more expensive but if you want to start from scratch and get cheap land and a lot of it just just think about it if you can buy i was looking in texas not too long ago and i was looking at you know pricing it all out it was close to 100 acres of land for less than eighty thousand wow. dollars now with 100 acres of land like you you basically you, do a lot, yeah. you, you did you, you did what you were supposed to do mm -hmm. for your family you can go have fun in life now because at that point yeah. and then you look at solar energy or something like that and i just told you in the inflation reduction act there is a lot of clean energy tax uh, you know tax savings or tax <clears> provisions in there you go and set that up, and then you just get your team together. You, you That's not something you go in and tackle by yourself. I was just about to say that. Yeah, you need a community of people to build we, that out. We got a whole whole community of individuals with some money, some uh -huh. celebrities. I know we shouldn't always lean to them, but if they go, we'll follow. Uh -huh. So ha have you heard of any of that? Like, I know Kanye, like you were talking about, the only person I've heard, I got a house in Wyoming. Why are nobody else going over there? And I just want to add to that. I know that a lot of black people don't necessarily go to like those open places of land because like number one there's not that many black people and number two I've heard horror stories where like people in the mm -hmm. community who don't want you there they'll come there and like destroy your land or like right so I know you said you're looking into land out there in Texas. Do you worry about stuff like that or not really? Not not necessarily. Um, there are going to be challenges with everything you do in business, you know. So, like, I don't really try. I don't. I, I try to think about, like, what good would thinking of something like that do for me? 
you know what I mean? Like for oh, your family as a yeah, whole. Yeah, like that's just going to discourage me. Do you know what I mean? Like thinking about what can go wrong what with that. What could happen if it didn't happen yet. Yeah, like okay. it, it's just like not something that I would really think about. I would just think more about infrastructure, what I can use the land for. Like for instance, like oil is dropping again because, you know, they need money for wars or whatnot. But eventually when it gets a little more scarce, if you had a little parcel of land to go just take oil and store it on your land and then you get those barrels and you put it on your land and you just stored it there, now you can go sell it back. I was thinking about mm -hmm. that in like 2020, but I didn't have anywhere to put it. So if I would have had my own little parcel of land, I could have set up some, you know, some cheap exterior or whatnot, store mm -hmm. my oil in there. And then when, you know, the U.S. was looking for oil and paying a, a pretty penny for it, could have just sold it back. So land could be used for a number of reasons, mm -hmm. not just living there. Like you said, storage, warehouse, facilities, things of that nature. So when you buy land, I wouldn't necessarily worry about, you know, who's talking about it, who's getting into it, because that's not a popular thing. And by the time it's popular, you won't be able to get your hands on it. Mm -hmm. So you have a really good idea and, you know, a really good mindset around that because I'm like nobody else talked to me about that yet so what I would yeah. say is if you're thinking like Shout that already that's not a conversation <laughs> that we have so yeah. you know that's good that we're bringing that up because that's what we do on this podcast that's what we do on this podcast you, <laughs> you also talked about family family is super duper important to all of us um, me and Dana we talk about our families all the time uh -huh. and you know I, I heard about your, your daughter she's just graduated high school not too long ago um, and we the same age, so I like to be transparent. You had a you had a child pretty early. Yeah. Um, I want to know what those difficulties were like, um, especially being an athlete, um, playing overseas. I don't know what the timetable looks like, but clearly you and your daughter have a great relationship where y'all can communicate and y'all can talk and y'all can do all the things that a great father does. I want to know about those opportunities because we got individuals that, like myself, I had a child at 21. Like, I want to know these stories. Maybe we relate and stuff like that. All right, so... I was a freshman in high school when my daughter was born, and it was like, it was devastating. Um, none of my friends could relate. Um, this was back before therapy was a thing, you know? <laughs> so, like, I'm going through this stuff all freshman year, and I'm at St. Pat's mm -hmm. playing basketball. So, it's like, it's not like I have an easy day. Like, they practice at 6 a.m. It's the best players in the tri-state area, so it's extremely competitive. They're not cutting me no slack. I'm in honors classes because I was a smart kid, mm -hmm. too, so I'm in 9-1. And I'm trying to navigate all of that, but I'm trying to keep from everybody that I got a kid coming because it's kind of embarrassing. Everybody keep talking to me funny. And at, at that age, all you want to do is kind of like fit in and be accepted somewhere. Mm -hmm. Which, and be a kid. Yeah, and I wasn't accepted <laughs> anywhere after that. Like once that news started getting out, like my friend's parents kind of was like, I can't really hang with mm -hmm. like that. So what it really did for me is while it was challenging, it taught me how to like not chase the crowd and not need validation like inadvertently because at first it used to hurt me that I was by myself a lot and nobody would really take me in and show me what was next and then after a while I just started channeling it into like work and I would go into the gym I would break into gyms hide from janitors put up shots because I knew I wasn't gonna stop in playing field mm -hmm. like I just knew like I couldn't my kid had a rare medical condition like so it was just like a lot that was on me but I was like the, the what I always hear that gets people out of here is basketball and books. So, like, I went back to the high school after my freshman year, and um, I was by my junior year, I was doing stuff in playing field that was spectacular, and I was getting a lot of attention, and it was because of my work ethic. You know, like, I had really exceeded a lot of my peers because, like, with that time that they weren't spending with me as friends anymore, I just put it in the gym, and I just was working around the clock. And it took one year for all of these coaches to, to notice me. And I was signed before my senior year even started at Sagar University. Um, I know they had the College of Business that was sponsored by Jack Welsh. Mm -hmm. And I always knew I wanted to be a businessman. Jack Welsh sponsoring your business school back then. He was a CEO of GE. That was like Michael Jordan sponsoring your basketball school. So I was I was I was in. And then wow. my team went to the conference finals. So when I got up there, you know, I knew like I was on a mission. I graduated, a lot of people don't know this, but I graduated in three years, you know, like with two degrees but like that last year I was just taking filler classes like to you know knock out prereqs and stuff like that or, or like those last little electives and stuff like that but I never like I wasn't coming home a lot I was sending money home for my daughter but I was taking classes in the summer and the winter 18 credits sometimes mm -hmm. and like while basketball was being played I was just locked in man and, and like I owe it all to like that discomfort that I experienced when I was 14 and what it taught me like look People not always going to be here for you, kid, and you got to figure this stuff out by yourself, but you've got somebody that's dependent on you, so you can't fold. You yeah. got to get back to work. Mm -hmm. And I've really just had to, I learned how to, like, 
just I got this ability to just shut stuff off and just black out. I don't really need the crowd anymore. You know, mm -hmm. it's nice to have it. Like you get validation from yourself. Yeah. Like you don't look for it outside. Exactly so. from my process. Like yeah. yo, did you check the boxes today? All right, now we can celebrate. You don't. We don't celebrate because <laughs> other people celebrate us. It's ten things on this list today. Mm -hmm. If we check them ten boxes every day, over time that turns into trophies, or mm -hmm. that turns into awards, or that turns into a business, or that turns into an idea that panned out. So it seems like that jumped into your accountant as well. Like when you talked about working with Justin, those things don't. You're not validated by those things, even though you understand them. Uh -huh. It's like, hey, what's our priorities? You know, and it sounded like that that same thing trickled into your your work ethic, your business ethic. So you know, big shout out to you. Yeah, that's very inspiring. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people don't have that level of commitment to themselves. I, so. I joke yeah. and call it psycho, but determination and discipline are is two qualities that's bedrock to Jarrell, which is why I keep him around and make sure I talk to him within a two-month span because knowing his story and what he'd been through and what he went through and we and Jarrell and I talk about everything it's situations like that that he's going through to make you think you know, think, you know people have gone through worse than what you've gone through and look what it's turned him into being that determined and disciplined, disciplined person which is now why Jarrell has a lot more fun now because he's had to deal with so much early to the point where we talked about me being a dad and what I would want my child to go through. And Jarrell, I said, Jarrell, on my off days, I'll let you train my kid. Well, you know I'm going to train him hard, but that's all he's going to know. because, Or she will know because it's bedrocked me to the point where I'm disciplined and I do things at a certain time. I'm going to the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning. You follow me, you know I'm in the gym yeah. <laughs> early in the morning. Well, I'm there because nobody else is there. But going to the gym, too, creates that discipline. Because, like, you see that you're starting to shape your body and you're feeling better, you're eating better. So that in itself, if you can just continue to do that, it shows in different aspects of your life. Well, now it creeps in the different aspects of your life. So if you ever look at my work corner in my apartment, I've got post-it notes over the place because that keeps me locked in to my job what I'm good at and what I want like to. affirmations affirmations and reminders well okay. affirmations are reminders but not just spiritual and personal affirmations but work affirmations the marketing jargon that marketers know well if I see it I remember it if I write it I mm -hmm. remember it I got a question for you I never asked you this but after you like started taking your fitness to the next level did you feel like it carried over into corporate yeah, like how you presented yourself, or like what change? What what do you feel like changed the most? De being detail oriented, every last little thing that I do to the point where I've been told I'm psychotic when it comes to that. I'm an overwriter. I'm an overachiever. One of the things, um, and I noticed this comes out into me personally. I may have sent this to you. I'm gonna send you guys all. It's called the saboteur test. Something that my work therapist has given given to me, and it's an awareness test. And one of the uh, the higher qualities about me is the fact that I am I'm an overachiever. Actually, I'll let me put the the right term for it, and I'll show because I actually keep the I'm a stickler. Mm -hmm. I am a stick. Right, uh, you guys, you, you're not there. <laughs> you I'm a stickler. A, is that a screenshot? <laughs> yes, yeah, a screenshot okay. of, of the I'm a stickler. I think I took the test before. I, I think I took that too when but I'll take it a couple again. years ago. Because it might have changed. But yeah. stickler, high achiever, and high, hyper vigilant. So even even in marketing, when you write copy or you're writing some type of campaign, I have to think what is my target audience thinking at all times and multiple personas within that audience. So, for instance, in the health field, not just, and I was telecom in the health field. Not just a CTO, was a chief tech officer. I needed th what's finance thinking, what's that doctor, that end user thinking. All of my marketing has to talk to all three of those people. Mm -hmm. That means I need to really understand all three of those people because they want three different things. So now when it comes into, let's say I'm writing some type of email sequence, which you floods your inbox all the time. 
somebody's thinking what are you thinking and being so detail oriented that they don't want to miss a beat so when you talked about being disciplined my focus on the minutia of any and everything that i'm interested in comes out mm -hmm. so to your point 10 years ago so story quick, quick huh, story time, Do we got time? <laughs> <laughs> so Jarell, <laughs> me and Jarell known each other beyond 10 years we mm -hmm. found out we were cousins 10 years ago when he went to our family reunion to the family tree and we're connected from that moment on we said we're gonna keep our part of the family together because we live so close and we're we're too close not to be close down to his dad being cool with me, his mom being cool with me, talk all the time, his sisters, something. He has two He's the oldest of three. <laughs> Jarrell and I talked about being disciplined and being determined in everything that we do and not letting the off the gas pedal to, to the other. Because when you let off the gas pedal, it's kind of a sign that you don't care. Because you have a certain level and goal you want to get to. I agree. There, so being at the gym at 5 in the morning, when we do, we have our jump. We do our workout and our and our jump shooting. Seventy percent gotta get hit, or we're not leaving. Putting that work into the weight room, changing your diet. Or when I was too heavy, yo Justin, that's not you. Yo, slim back down. What are you doing? And he's real with me like mm -hmm. that. And I don't want him and not to be. Not to cut you off, but that point of when you're too big, that's not you. Like, when you're disciplined, people see that. Like, they, it shows based off how you take care of yourself and what you... I don't want to just say what you look like, but you feel how you mm -hmm. look, right? So, the fact that he recognized that was like, something's going on. Like, you don't look how you would look if you were feeling, you know, your well, normal self. That thing came from me thinking that being more muscular was me. Mm. But I was... And then he looked at my left knee and said, yo, why is your knee swollen then? Because I was too heavy for my my knees, and my knee was swelling up. Okay. So. So, but that wasn't normal for you. That's not normal to Justin because I'm naturally skinny. So he's like, "Yo, do more volume workout with less weight." Mm -hmm. I dropped twenty pounds in probably six weeks, and I feel so much better. And also, I had to let go of the ego part, let go of the look and how people going to think about me, and mm -hmm. just be good for me. Right. Especially, I'm 41. I'm supposed to mm -hmm. really, really monitor because I'm in that zip code of life. You monitor where, your health. Because I'm in that zip code where where, 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 where the where the <laughs> that part. It seems yeah. like that's something to be happy about, you know. Yeah. And but here at the We Outside at the Work podcast, we always talk about a happy hour. Yes, we have time for a happy hour moment. <laughs> this is the last segment of the episode where we just talk about something that we are excited to come fruition to come to fruition or something that has happened already that we want to share. So let's start with Aaron. And then oh, go we're around. gonna start with me. Yeah. Um, I'm actually happy because. I embarked on a new opportunity, and like Jarrell, I had a child in college, so I was always afraid of sales. So I got into a sales position, and I, instead of being a bitch, I went in 100%. Like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to be the best at it, and I'm starting to see the results. Did you, you know? sell something? I did. I, I'm number seven in my district right now. It was my first week by myself, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting the help that you know i probably should get because i don't want it not because of ego but because of determination drive discipline listening to my training and doing the right things so um i have ambitions to be like a two million dollar writer in this company and that should translate to 10 percent of that so you do the math yeah. um and that's where we want to be at you feel me so you know shout out to to me um I'm a, to I'm a shout out myself because i usually don't do that but i really want to get to that next time. level like, <laughs> <laughs> Marvin, you're in there laughing. <laughs> yes, Justin. So this year has been a pretty hard year, especially with inflation, and as it trickled down to other parts of life and affecting me. So I've delved back into spirituality and religion to get me through. So much to the point where at my church, Elmwood United Presbyterian Church in East Orange, more than welcome to come. Shout out Pastor Maria. I was nominated and elected to be a church elder. Which people at my church 
see more in me and want me to take more responsibility in caring about the church. And just for y'all know, church elder means the government of, of the of the church. Okay, it don't mean like the old one. <laughs> not church. So there's deacons and elders, and <laughs> and elders are like Congress, the church. Yes. So there are those. You're like the wisdom. <laughs> so elder just gets installed at church yes. in January. And you better call him elder. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. we don't play that. elders and deacons. Deacons are more oh of the physical God. work. Yeah, elders that. are more of the, the brain tree of the church. Mm-hmm. And I was nominated by more than five or six people, which, according to what I was told, they foresee me helping my pastor carry on the legacy of the church. Now, that's a big of, deal. Because of my commitment to, yeah. to religion and my commitment to spirituality and my commitment to the youth of my church because mm-hmm. what I didn't know is that they see me. So for all of those, I wear sweatpants at church because um, <laughs> I go to the gym after church. And people pull me to the side because what I look like is not who I am. And mm-hmm. as young men and young women started coming to me asking me these questions, it's, oh, I can be like that. And then also my commitment to God. And they're probably comfortable talking to you, right? That part. Yes. Because I, cause I look like them. Mm-hmm. And I don't look mm-hmm. like the, the churchy suit. And you, you don't look like the other elders. <laughs> that part. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> second Sunday in January, I am getting installed as an elder okay. at my church. Right, Congratulations. Support. I love that for you. What about you, Joel? All right, so this year, um, you know, like Justin said, um, I was a parent pretty young, so like, uh, I didn't say that, Aaron said that. Well, well, I mean, in regards to like me having to like be serious while I was younger, so I find Justin used to always encourage me to travel, but like, you know, I was always, you know, just worrying about what my kid might need and like kind of putting that on the back burner. But Mm -hmm. after she turned 18, I went to like, I moved to Columbia for the year and I had a great time. I like, I was really finding myself like, like I, I realized there were a lot of things that like I just never put thought into like what I wanted to smell like like who, like what I wanted to date like like what I like what I wanted to be like as a husband what I wanted my household to look like how I wanted it to operate so this year like just being away and traveling it like really just gave me time to myself mm-hmm. to like really just figure out like what I'm standing on and you know what needs to change or what needs to be moved around in my life and like just spending so much time to myself and like just just spending so much time like just developing myself mentally and like not having the influence of our culture or like people that I just talk to all of the time and like really just try to figure things out like what who is Jarrell what does Jarrell want what does Jarrell like like I came you know I found a lot of things that like just kind of grounded me in a way and it kind of like showed me who I was like so much so that like I came home and like everything that I like used to think was so important like everything kind of just changed to me like you know what I mean like I, I see things through a different lens. I'm just not all, you know, just a bull in a china shop about everything anymore. Like, just take everything down. Now it's like a little more finesse. It's like a little bit more long game, a little bit more like be more present, enjoy life now. Cause I used to, everything was 10 years down the road. Everything was looking ahead. Mm-hmm. Now I could stop and smell flowers today. It sounds know? like mindfulness. About yeah. damn time. Cause <laughs> yo, he was dad.com and everything. <laughs> So you're going to go out somewhere, oh, you want to do this, oh, you want to do that, oh, watch out, watch out for that. God, Lee, thank you for calming down. <laughs> but also think well, he, I'm, I'm oh, glad sorry. that you... But I also think he was comfortable in doing that because, not to cut you off, because of what he went through as a 14-year-old, he was able to live in another country and be perfectly fine and learn that. So mm-hmm. thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And we're glad to have you back, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's always great, though, finding yourself, so... Going yeah. to a different country is always the best way to do it. Yeah. But living in another country. Living, yes. It's <laughs> difference. Okay. What you got Thank for us, Dana? I would say for me, um, just a lot of different changes has been happening in my life recently. But positive, I want to say with my new job, I just realized, I want to say last week we were on a meeting and there were probably about 50 different people on this meeting and it was just like an introduction call and my manager like he just had all these great things to say about me and basically putting me on a pedestal and like i'm coming to the rescue to really organize some shit. so i just thought that was just a great way to present me to the team number one and number two after that i had a meeting with the director and he liked me so much he was like oh we want to introduce you to some stakeholders so i was like oh okay like i'm a big deal now so 
yeah like just realizing that and it's also pressure too because i'm like i want to live up to the pedestal that they put me on but at the same time i don't want to stress myself out to where like all i'm doing is work 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 so just finding that balance that's what i'm gonna be working on so on that note guys um if you do want to join the podcast you can hit up our gmail it is woawpod at gmail.com and before we go justin or Jarrell, you have anything you want to share with people i would say it's time to tighten up those budgets and do what's necessary and if you need a cpa you know who to call exactly. tax season <laughs> coming up and not just tax season all season all season yep, 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 yep. yes but with that being said we, we outside, outside and we, we out, out. Bow, bow, bow. Peace.